This always happens to me, this little microphone comes off. You want to do everything so professionally and flawlessly and it doesn't happen. Happy Father's Day. Fathers, I want to bless you today and everybody else. I don't know if you've been around the church a long time, but we use the word bless a lot. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that with other Christians, uh, you hear the word bless a lot, and maybe you use the word bless yourself, but out there in the world, you don't hear it that much. And maybe like me, you stopped and you asked yourself, and this was some years ago, what does it mean? What does it mean to bless? What is a blessing? In the Old Testament, the word bless and blessing occurs over 400 times. Throughout the Bible, Beginning with Genesis, God is the gracious blesser. And God graciously blesses us so that we can richly bless others. In the beginning, God created, and it was good. And as soon as he says, it was good, we're told, and God blessed them in verse 26 and verse 28 because a blessing embodies the very grace of God. We sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. The Hebrew word for blessing and to bless is the word Barak. Have you ever heard that word before? <laughs> Barak. To bless. And fundamentally, the word Barak means to endow with beneficial power. To endow with beneficial power. Brian reminded me of a book this week Gary Smalley and John Trent wrote a book called The Blessing. It uh, goes all the way back to its publication date of 1979. But the authors build the framework for the book based on the blessing of the Old Testament, and in particular, uh, the blessing of Isaac to Jacob in Genesis 27, and then later Jacob, the blessing of Jacob to his sons. We call them the patriarchs because they are each a patriarch or head of their own family, the 12 tribes of Israel. And so it is in the Bible, in history, in a family, a clan or a nation, it's the Father's role to bless. And I want you as fathers to step into your role 
But you'll see that today I want us to all appreciate that in Jesus Christ, we are all given this opportunity, this vocation of blessing, blessing others. There are five features of blessing. A meaningful touch. We see this in Genesis 27. A meaningful touch. Sometimes the head, sometimes the face. A kiss is sometimes involved. That would be a little weird, perhaps, in our daily exchanges, but we all know the power of a touch and how significant it can mean to reach over and close the distance between us and speak into another person's life. And that brings up the second point, spoken words. Sometimes we think powerful things, things in our heart, things that we know we ought to say, but we think too much of ourselves and we can't find the words or we won't expose ourselves to any shade of embarrassment in the interest of another, and so we keep those thoughts to ourselves and we don't bridge that distance and we don't come into their life and share with them the things that they mean to us and that we see for them or in their need to lift their spirit and to encourage them. These are all the significant elements of a blessing, expressing high value, expressing high value. That's when we highlight worth and value, and we begin with the basic dignity, the very image of God that God marks every human life with, because each is the gift of his creation. And that becomes the basis for seeing constructive things that we can give and say and put into words in another person's life. A fourth element is picturing a special future. We live in a a world colored by a spirit of doom and discouragement. But in the Lord, in Christ, we see something people in our world can't see. We see a future, and we have a hope, and we can see that for others because we can see what God is doing, not just what he has done. And we can involve an active support and read into a person's life individual interest and care and concern. These are qualities of the blessing of the Old Testament. And you might say, well, what's the connection with the Ephesians, Paul's writing to the Ephesians? Well, in chapter 1, Paul opens with these words, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Blessing is fulfilled. In fact, the very blessing of Abraham, we, we touched on it this morning, that all the nations of the world should be blessed in Abraham, part of God's very design. Paul tells us in the New Testament, in Romans 4 and Galatians 3, that God has fulfilled fulfilled in the fullest sense his promise to Abraham and Jesus Christ. And we are heir to that promise. And we are that new creation of God in Christ. God is creator, as Father, is in a special place over us to give good and bless. We understand that. To endow us with beneficial power. But you do not have to be God to bless. God has endowed us with beneficial power in Jesus Christ that we should bless others. We could do that in our own human strength. We could take from our own resources what we have accumulated and acquired, but that doesn't even begin to touch the resources that we have in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. There are gifts and abilities that cannot be measured or recognized by material means or scientific methods. And these are ours to give because they are grounded and rooted in who God is, and we know him through Jesus Christ. And it is a beautiful representation and revelation of who he is, one that inspires us and calls us to greater things. We have the power within us, in Christ, to endow others through our touch, through our spoken words, expressing high value, picturing a special future, and caring commitment for others. And that, when that is thriving within the body of Christ, sets forth a humanity, which is a model of the difference Christ makes. The new humanity that he came and ministered and died and rose from the dead to empower with the outpouring of his spirit. That is our mandate as the people of God, the church, the body of Christ. And we can do this because of the truth, the hope, and the grace that is ours in Christ. I want to read to you from chapter 4, verse 25 and 29, because that's the subject of our focus this morning and in the light of blessing and in the light of how Paul opens this letter. And you know from your reading in these opening chapters of, Ephesus, of, of the letter to the Ephesians, to the church at Ephesus, Paul is blessing us. Blessing God for his blessing in Jesus Christ. And that is a transforming truth and a valid hope that should translate 
into our very character as God is at work in our lives and has invested us with this truth, this hope, and this grace. And with that as background, when we get to chapter 4, Again, he begins the chapter, but then at verse 25, after he talks about us all as the church, growing up into the oneness that is ours in Jesus Christ, the new man, our new identity, then he says this in 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And verse 29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Oh, a week ago Wednesday, Dr. David Ekman was here, and uh, his visit uh, had been arranged by a phone call we had Uh, at the end of May and David and I go way back we both pastored in the Bay Area and then we kind of went our several he went off to Oxford to start the process of earning his PhD and I continued pastoring and then I pursued my PhD in the same area Uh, his main supervisor at Oxford None other than James Barr retired, and so David uh, had, as it turned out, to pursue and complete his uh, doctoral work in San Francisco, where I was, and we got reacquainted and came close. And um, it was at that time that I was going through about 18 months of of real soul searching as I was seeking the Lord. Um, and, and, and for me personally, it was really a, a, a very private and individual time of, of great wrestling in my heart. Uh, there was no music like you're hearing now at that time in my life. And I really felt God was prompting me to step away from the church after 10 years um, there was a whole number, there was a number of giftings in my life that, that weren't being really uh, used. I felt like I had taken the church as far as I could possibly take it. And that became the, the heart of some real soul searching for me. And uh, I had never been moved like that before. And so I was really wrestling with this and doubting myself and questioning myself. But I decided to, to float some resumes, one for teaching, one for pastoring out. I got some op- opportunities, but they just weren't the call of God. And, and I, I, at one point, I sought out with a, a major church uh, uh, organization their regional head. I sent him my resume, and um, I, I met with him. And we met over breakfast, and he brought his doc- daughter because there was a little bit of a drive uh, for him. And um, I- I'll make this real short. In the end, he just basically said, uh, John, I don't know if anybody's going to hire you or be interested in you because you haven't grown a church from a hundred to a thousand. And so I thanked him and I drove home that day and, and I, was, I, I was 
in my heart, not vocally, but even out loud to some extent. I guess I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but I was kind of shouting at, at God. You know, I said, Lord, we gave up everything to come here. For 10 years, I've served you faithfully, and this is a bad career move? That was in the morning, later in the afternoon, late afternoon as the sun was starting to go down. I was just, I was so discouraged. I didn't have anyone to turn to. I didn't know who to call. And so I called David Ekman. And I, I was embarrassed and fumbling around and I told him what I had been told and, and he said, uh, what was the name of this guy? And I, when I told him the name of the guy, he started laughing hilariously. I mean, it was, it was kind of... A, What's going on here, you know? I mean, he was really laughing hard, and I didn't think that that was necessary. Um, and finally, I, I said, why are you laughing? And he said, I know that guy. And he says, I also know you. He says, John, you are an eight-cylinder engine and a Volkswagen body. David blessed me in that one expression, in that one word picture. It was, in many ways, especially in retrospect, I mean, it didn't change everything, but it worked on me. It began to, to speak to my heart in ways I really needed to hear. He spoke words of truth. He spoke words of hope. He spoke words of grace to counter the falsehood that had been planted in my thinking to speak to the discouragement that was creeping up like weeds and choking my soul. Even my harsh self-criticism began to break up at least because of the blessing that he spoke into my life. So when I called David a week ago, uh, in, before he visited us three, two weeks ago, I began to tell him this. I said, David, I don't know if I've ever told you about that time. And I recounted the story, and I could tell that he didn't remember it. I could tell he was touched because I was saying to him, David, you've made such a significant difference in my life. It's a real turning point in my life. And the fact that he didn't remember it speaks to the fact that that's the way David is. He's a man of blessing. When he blesses, he doesn't even realize that it's perhaps significant to others because it's a, a daily thing. It's a way of life because of the because of the truth and the hope and the grace that's in his life through Jesus Christ. He's a source of blessing. And we are to be a source of blessing too. Because blessing endows another with beneficial power. Because of words of truth, words of hope, and words of grace. Words of truth I find in verse 25. He says, speak the truth 
with your neighbor. Don't be confused or fooled by the word neighbor. It means close one, near one. We use the word neighbor for that kind of person, but sometimes we think, oh, my neighbor, that's the person who lives on my left and my right. But what Paul is talking about is the people who are close, anyone close, even as Jesus in Luke chapter 10 when he told the parable of the Good Samaritan, he was answering the question, who is my neighbor? And the answer of that parable is the person near, the person next to you in need. And then he says, for we are members one of another. You know, words can describe who we are. And you know, that's science. That's science. It's good to be able to describe who we are. But that's missing the real power of words because words shape who we are. It's not enough just to describe. In fact, sometimes descriptions stop us in our tracks. But when we realize the real power of words is in the power to shape and to create and to influence and to empower, to give imagination and hope, that's when we begin to bless. That's when we endow with beneficial power. Words have power. We know that from the Proverbs. In chapter 18, 21, words have the power of life and death. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, words are likened to medicine that can heal or to a sword that can slay. In James chapter 3, read the entire chapter, but especially verses 1 through 14, where James talks about the tongue, talks about it being so small and yet so powerful, like a rudder that can move a ship or like a small spark and flame that can engulf an entire forest. And then powerfully, he goes on to say, how is it that we can bless and curse out of the same mouth? In fact, he says, we bless God with our mouth, and then we curse his creation. We curse those created in his image, those who bear his dignity. How is that, James asks. And Jesus himself in Matthew 15, 11 and Luke 6, 45 talks about how our words defile us, not what goes in but what comes out. And then he says this so profoundly, he says it comes from the abundance of our heart. What is the abundance of our heart? Is it the gospel? Is it the hope that is ours in Christ? Is it the power of the Holy Spirit? Is it this truth, this hope, this grace that is ours in Jesus Christ? Do we only have to be reminded when the pastor gets inspired and wants to share to us? By the way, I spend most Father's Day speaking to myself. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we would preach to ourselves out of the abundance of God's gospel? I happily love to try and inspire. It's a great mantle for me.
But it is through this truth, Paul says in Romans 12, 2, that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's the power of words, especially when they're true and not false. Truth is not just facts. It's not just a head thing, but a heart thing. Truth is incarnational, and Jesus is our model. He who revealed the Father, not just in scientific description, but he revealed the Father, revealed God the Father through his own character, through his own heart and conduct. We're told in the Gospel of John, the first chapter especially, but it's a theme of the whole Gospel, that Jesus reveals the Father, reveals the truth. And that Jesus was full of grace and truth. This isn't just a classroom. This is where your life becomes a classroom. And that's the kind of truth that Paul is talking about. That's the kind of truth that the Scripture talks about in both the Old Testament and the New. The truth that transforms us and then models the very words that we utter. Not only words of truth, but words of hope. Notice the word in verse 29, only what is beneficial for the building up of the one in need. That's a good definition of encouragement. It's also a definition of hope. As I said, we live in a world of scorn and doom. And I really feel like it's a mindset seeping into our culture. It gives us an opportunity, that kind of black backdrop, to shine even brighter. Are you shining for Christ on Facebook or on Twitter or in other places of the social media or are you just proliferating the negative, biting, discouraging discourse of our society and fighting over politics when in Christ we rise above all this empire stuff that is truly national. Yes, we love our nation. Yes, we are so grateful for our freedoms and liberties. But in Christ, we belong not to one nation. We belong to a new nation, a new person in Jesus Christ. And we should exhibit that in our conduct and in our speech and in our hope. We in Christ are people of hope. We are blessed so that we might build up, Paul says, that is edify, encourage, be constructive, not tear down, not be destructive. I find that to give hope, I have to have hope. And you will too. I have a way of having a Shelly, she hasn't said it lately, and I'm grateful for that. But she, she used to say a lot. She'd say, well, you have a, a stern look. And 
I really, there, as you've heard me say before, there's a whole carnival going on inside, even when it doesn't show on the outside. But we sometimes have to make an effort to demonstrate and exhibit that, to really, we as men, we as fathers, have difficulty sometimes connecting the emotional life with what we express to the people in our life and the people that we love. And then, if that isn't hard enough, we can't even imagine taking that extra step and going to the lives of others that are not somehow dependent upon us, that are associations in our work and our life. I read this by Dan Pierce this week, talking about countenance. Dads, do, you, do your faces light up when you first see your child in the morning and when you come home from work? I, I think one is easier than the other sometimes. But then this, he goes on to say this, and this really caught my attention. Do you not understand that a child's entire sense of value can revolve around what they see in your face when you first see them? And how much more, if that's, if that's true of our children, oh, how, how true indeed it is. But it also has relevance for the other relationships in our lives and the power of countenance that reflects the truth and the hope in our lives. Bob Goff, he played uh, Little League, and he wasn't very good at it. Some of us can identify with that when we were young. And he was in a playoff game, as it turns out, and when he came to bat, he wasn't one of the strongest batters, and, and people began to groan, or at least he thought he heard them groan. And then he did hear something they were saying. Some of them were chanting during the game that the pitcher should hit him because that would be a way in which he could make a positive con contribution to scoring a run. Bob admits he was actually shutting his eyes when he was batting just as the ball would approach he'd shut his eyes and swing. And on the third, after the second strike and I, I think the third pitch, uh, he shut his eyes and swung and he hit a home run. And uh, the story he tells is better and I won't try to take the words out of his mouth, how he pictures what was going on in his head as he was rounding the bases and crossing the plate. But he goes on to say, a week or so later, I was in my room. My mom told me I had some mail. Mail? For me? I opened the big envelope, and inside was a card. I think it was the first card I'd ever received in the mail, and it was shaped like an apple. I wondered if all cards were shaped like apples. When I opened the card, the words, you are the apple of my eye, had been printed by Hallmark inside. In handwriting below were the words, wow, what a hit, Bob. Love, coach. Bob Goff says, I think God speaks something meaningful into our lives, and it fills us up and helps us change the world regardless of ourselves and our shortcomings. His name for us is Beloved. God hopes that we'll believe him like he came to believe, like I came to believe what the coach said about me. 
God hopes we'll start to see ourselves as his beloved rather than think of all the reasons that we aren't. In that card, we can see the essence of those five elements of blessing, a meaningful touch, spoken words, the expression of high value, a picture of a special future, an active commitment. Those can be guidelines. It can be a north star for us in our lives to put into words, to put into life what God has done in our heart and not let the world define us and describe us, but let Jesus Christ shape us, empower us, bless us that we might be a blessing to others. I read this this week to your daughter speak the truth. That's the heading, to your daughter speak the truth. It was written by a daughter. <laughs> Her name is Jen Wilkin. She said, I grew up with a dad who told me I was beautiful a lot, thereby defying the conventional wisdom that daughters who are told this will define their worth by their appearance. I don't. That's probably because he also told me I was smart and capable and fun to be around. Dads, do you ever say those things to your daughters? Today would be a good day. She goes on, I somehow believed him about those things, but not about the beautiful part, not even a little bit. I would roll my eyes as he'd say it, reaching out to hug me, thinking to myself, he just thinks that because he's my dad. My, subs my subscription to Seventeen Magazine reminded me every month that I was not, in fact, beautiful at all. She then goes on to describe her straight stick straight hair, her bad complexion, her linebacker shoulders, her towering height at age 13, a presence that she found freakish. And she wrote these words, clearly my dad was delusional, <laughs> but he was the best kind of delusional. He was the kind of delusional every daughter needs. He saw something in me that the mirror didn't and routinely and faithfully pronounced me beautiful regardless of all objective external measures. What is your measure of beautiful? What is your measure of value? If it's the world's, no wonder we don't have much to say. But ours is not the world's. It is His, He who came down to reveal our worth to the Father through His life, His words, His treatment of others, His life for ours, and new life, new existence, new humanity. Let that grip your soul, mother or father. Let that grip your soul and pour it into your children. Pour it into your neighbors. Pour it into your friends. The truth, the hope, and the grace. 
the word in verse 29, unwholesome, speaks. It's, a, it's, a, it's an adjective that's used of rotting fish or fruit. That's pretty nasty. And we, of course, we think, we think oh, I've got to cut out all obscene speech. Well, that would be a good start, but what Paul is really talking about, since in the very same verse he's talking about building up, is cut out the destructive speech, the tearing down. And he says literally that it may give grace to the hearers. That it may give grace to the hearers. That's really our work. It's a work of grace. Nothing describes the work of God in Jesus Christ more than grace. On that night, that evening that I called David Ekman, and I didn't at that time feel like there was anyone else to call, that was in 1994. David blessed me. It was from the Lord. Brian has blessed me. Pastor Tim has blessed me. All of the pastoral staff. It's my desire that I bless them. You have blessed me. But on that night, there was someone I wished I could have called above all. And that's my dad. I couldn't go to him for spiritual advice. I couldn't go to him, if you will, for truth, for hope, or for grace. Fathers, be that. Be that go-to person. You have special power as a father. You are the pastor of your family. We are all the pastors of our lives. Quit thinking we have to wait on someone else and let's take this thing to heart and realize I have the Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit and his truth, his hope, his grace. Let's make an impact. Start where you're at today. Will you stand with me? Let me smile now after all that. Let you know how happy I am inside because there is a lot of joy in there and what inspires me really is this great joy. I sometimes get stern with you because I want you to know the true delight in life of touching other people's lives for Christ. It doesn't always have to be labeled, but it always has to be in his power and his purposes. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for your great love and purpose for us in Jesus Christ. Bless our fathers. Bless our mothers. Bless our children. We are blessed. May we have eyes to see, hearts to contain all of your goodness. And may it cause us to rejoice and bless others today. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said. God bless you.